marketing? Yeah, my lens is usually always B2B. And for B2B, it, a lot of times it comes to the content standing out. I mean, usually if, it, if it's a brand, you know, Coca-Cola, you know, because they have a bunch of commercials and we all love the brand and, and, and know it. And a lot of Disney, any, any B2C like that. But B2B, usually they have to catch your attention for you to think like, oh, I like, I like what they do. And so then right. I usually try to break it down. Are they just really good at brand and, and have this cool angle that stands out? Or is their content extremely valuable, which is a rarity? Um, or do, are they a startup that just kind of has that cool thing and you like their monkey, whatever it is. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, we are officially live and yes, we're talking about monkeys. We're talking about content. We're talking about emotion and we're talking about consistency. What does that all boil down to? It boils down to marketing, the front facing of your company to either the consumers, if you're B2C, or to other businesses, if you're B2B. And we've got two gentlemen here who are going to give us their insights when it comes to the topic of how to lead a marketing department. Now, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to be filling out the rest of this stick figure format drawing as a mind map of what's going to be explained. My name is Ryan Fullen. I speak about simplicity. I've got a new book coming out called Ditch the Act. I really believe that the more genuine we are at work, uh, the better the environment will be. And it has a lot of implications for marketing. So I might trip in with a question or two, but this podcast is the Scale Up Valley podcast where we deal with those experts who are in Scale Up, companies that have the problems that we want to have, which are scaling problems. So we're gonna talk about how that revolves around the marketing department and get some nice tips and tricks. So I'm gonna pass the mic over to Dave, who's gonna be our moderator for the day. And he has the responsibility, the burden of taking all of your best information and putting it out there into the public live. No pressure, don't screw it up, Dave. <laughs> it's up to you, here you go. Yep, no no worries. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks uh, Ryan, for that, uh, that introduction. And I have to say, definitely stay around for uh, the end of the podcast, because Ryan's drawings, uh, I'm just saying, uh, someday going to end up in the mat. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, we've got a great show today. Uh, as, as Ryan mentioned, we've got two panelists. Um, one is Tori Dye uh, from Terminus, and then Octavia. Uh, Octavia, you, you got to jump in with the pronunciation of your last name. How, tell the world how we pronounce it. Octave Oj. Oj. Okay, it's it's spelled differently. You're gonna have to trust me, but it's yeah, it's, 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 it's part of my French. <laughs> it's Octave Oj, and Octave is with a company called Paddle.com. Um, as Ryan mentioned, I'm Dave Debaugh. I'm with um, a, a company here in the Silicon Valley called Agora IO. I'll uh, get you guys up to speed on Agora a little bit later, and some of the things that we do related to our marketing organization. Uh, we are a company that has been growing pretty rapidly uh, for the last uh, 24 months, uh, so much so that I'm almost completely out of hair. Um, but other than that, uh, I think it would be great to um, kick it off with Tori. Tori, love to get some uh, brief background on yourself and uh, the things um, that your uh, company does and just a little background on the size of your marketing organization. Sure. So 
My name is Tori Dye. I've been working with B2B technology companies for about 15 years or so now, too many years. Um, started out in inside sales with IBM and worked my way to doing marketing with startups um, here in Atlanta, Georgia. Terminus Software has a account-based marketing platform. Um, and so we, we sell software for people trying to trying to do account-based marketing, trying to scale account-based marketing. And our team's about 15 marketers right now. Our sales team's probably trying to think maybe 40 to 50 people. Got it, got it. And you're there in uh, beautiful Atlanta. Uh, before the show, we were talking about one of the great brands and, and we were talking about Coca-Cola and what a good you know sort of B2B brand um, or B2C brand that is. Um, I did want to uh, bring up one thing. One thing that was um, uh, interesting in sort of our pre-conversation, uh, we were talking about brands and, and great brands um, in the B2B space. Um, throwing you a bit of a curveball at the beginning, Tori. Um, yeah. what, what is, uh, what, in your opinion, what's one of the best sort of B2B uh, brands you've seen um, in, uh, um, in the last uh, 10 to 15 years? Well, Right before you jumped in, we talked about it for a moment, but I've, whenever anyone asks me kind of a question related to that, um, MailChimp is always a company and brand that comes to mind. And, uh, and even with uh, their kind of transitioning from, I, I always admired how they had such a fun brand. Uh, I think that appeals to, to a segment like myself. Um, but they're having to transition like so many of us to a more serious brand and watching how they've been able to do that and, and documented it. And I think the way that they've documented and been uh, upfront and authentic about what they're doing, you know, is, is part of that whole DNA that makes, makes them great. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm, uh, it's interesting. I was working um, for a competitor of MailChimp's um, and we had, we had been in the marketplace for a while and, um, we started to see uh, this new competitor pop up, and it was, you know, it was a, it was a monkey with a backpack, and um, it was the brand that, uh, that 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 they were putting out, and um, you know, and I always thought the team over at Mailchimp did it did you know really a great job with that. Um, Octavia, um, tell us a, a little bit about yourself and um, some background on your company and the size of your marketing organization. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think I'm a bit about 12 years now in tech. I started in consumer startups. I've been involved into B2B in SaaS for the last five years. Always best from Europe, but always looking at the US quite particularly. Uh, I joined Paddle two years ago to build the marketing function from scratch. So I think I've seen a lot of things from where you start to where you, you end up now. Uh, Paddle, to keep it simple, is we help companies scale as fast as they used to grow when they were younger by unifying payments, billings, sales taxes, all the things you need to actually sell to customers. So you can go back to focusing on the customers you want to expand into. And I think we, are, we just went from scaling from 40 people to 140 people in a year. And I went from being the only marketer on my team to about 12 people now. Wow. Um, so when was the last time you, um, uh, you were able to get two good nights of sleep together? Uh, next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the uh, future. 
in the future. Yeah. yeah. It's been, yeah. I mean, I think I understand what you said about, you know, having, having some hair, uh, it's intense. Yeah. So, um, also sort of following up on the, the, the question that, um, that it sort of threw out to Tori, what's one of the best B2B brands you've seen in the last 10 to 15 years? I mean, it, it kind of stole my answer because I think I replied Melchim to the same question a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've, I really like Shopify, which is you know very different style from Melchim, but I always like the way they're really make you connect with as a small, you know, mom and pop shop or a small boutique to the, their product. Uh, the way they illustrate, especially product marketing wise, uh, you know, while, how their product can be used when in fact it's just a collection of like landing pages and e-commerce software and so on. Uh, that's been to me a B2B brand, which has been very successful at scaling to some extent, going from very small accounts to very large company using it and have a lot of really good marketing initiatives around like every year there is something around Black Friday that everyone hears about and so on. So they very combined scaling, having emotion and yeah, growing yeah. yourself company. Yeah. I, I, I think for me personally, what the, the brand that um uh totally caught me off guard um and I'm definitely uh, dating myself here a little bit uh but was when um uh, I started seeing Salesforce anti-software ads um, pop up in airports um, all around the country, um, and um, and in fact, Tori, I was in a, I was at a CRM conference in Atlanta, and Mark Banioff uh, was speaking at the um, at the conference, and and that's when I realized how uh, how impactful um, their anti-software symbol um had become um as the brand had just sort of really gone from um obscurity to um to dominance basically uh within you know four or five years and had completely disrupted um disrupted an industry that didn't look like it could be disrupted um so i always i always thought that was uh that was interesting um so tori uh you know, get let's let's talk a little bit about um, you know because it's it was really interesting to watch Salesforce scale its 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 brand um, and there was a whole marketing organization sort of behind it and originally it was um, it was just a couple people and Banioff really sort of deciding on what what they were going to do um, today it's a, a huge organization that uh, you know spends you know fifty to a hundred million dollars in in just ads spend alone um how have you um sort of gone about um scaling your marketing organization where you're at today yeah so when when i first came here i think uh there was a very you know they came from the purest kind of startup growth where you're just doing whatever whatever was flying at you and trying to keep up with it and so i'd say things were kind of chaotic and not very programmatic by any means. And so when I first got here, it was just kind of trying to do triage, slow things down, not slow volume or the things we were doing, but slow the approach so that we started having calendars. We're just doing basic blocking and tackling. Um, from there, it was really about, there wasn't, sales didn't see the value of what marketing was doing. You know, at the time, a lot of what we were communicating were like, we got this many followers and this many tweets and, 
you know, sales didn't care about any of it and didn't feel like any of it was uh, what was supporting them. And so it was really trying to win, win their trust and with small wins. Because if you come with a big complex program, they don't necessarily trust that the marketing team is going to be able to execute it. Uh, so it was really how, how can we get small wins and, and get them bought in? And then from there, once, once things were kind of stabilized, had the basic foundation, you know, we, we did things like implement Marketo and, and get on a regular webinar and uh, cadence and, and have nurtures and regular email cadence to, um, to then actually building out kind of a scaling out a pretty big ABM program once we got everyone's trust in the organization. Uh, so those are the big three, I think, milestones we had from when I when I first came in and, and us making that, you know, obviously it wasn't just me, there's a whole team here, but we were making that transition altogether from startup mentality to a little bit more mature company uh, that's yeah. got to do things differently. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, for us in, in B2B marketing, we, um, we service uh, sort of some different, uh, different clients, you know, we, we service the, the leads that we're trying to generate uh, we're trying to generate the right uh, the right type of uh, leads for or MQLs, if you will, for our sales organizations. Um, but ultimately, we service the sales team, um, and we're there to you know try to, especially in B two B, trying to provide them the highest quality leads that we can provide them. And if we can, um, you know, get the sales organization running in the right direction. Uh, you know, for marketing organizations, especially young marketing organizations, it's really important to, to iron out um, those um, those components with uh, with sales teams at, at the beginning of the process. Uh, Octavia, um, uh, how about yourself? Uh, you know, uh, give us a little bit of background on, on how you've uh, gone about scaling your marketing organization. I, uh, I think all three of us have been one one man shows for our organizations at times, and um, and that can be really challenging. You know, another challenge is when you're uh, starting to grow your entire organization. This as as your company has grown from like 12 employees to 100 plus employees, um, having um, more people in your marketing organization. How have you? gone about putting that together and then making sure it, it actually functions and works correctly. Yeah. And I think it's, we, I mean, it's been very similar to what Tori described. We're just a bit, I think, earlier compared to him in terms of maturity. So the first thing when I joined, no one had ever worked with marketing in their life. Everyone was basically fresh out of school to some extent. So there was a lot to educate about the value of marketing, what it is marketing can actually do beyond we need some marketing because we're just growing the outbound and that's not going to be fast enough. Uh, and there were lots of like, you know, early wins around building personas, building positioning, helping sales basically get the value of what that could be doing, having starting content that would help the late stage deal so we could understand why showing something to someone would actually make an impact. And then after that, starting to look at building demand generation, actually starting to build some leads, but not start with the leads first and then the positioning later. So building a lot of that trust. And that's when we started one scaling my team, but also scaling all the other teams in parallel. So we, we build demand generation where, as you said, the goal is very much to deliver really good leads. And there's always a lot of questions around when you hand over a lead, 
are you selling are you sending the right leads? Is the sales team educated enough to be able to pick them up? So it's been you know scaling progressively so we could not have this kind of discussions too much, really have a good alignment between the teams. Uh, and now we're looking much more like account-based marketing, mature programs, slowing down the pace uh, the same way. But we still have the same criteria. I would say we need to be very aligned with sales on, because we, we hired so many people, like also team leads in both organizations, sales and marketing. It's making sure that at all times we are quite focused on what we do, so we don't disperse ourselves too much. At the same time, we've also been growing product and because we are a product company, we have a complex product to some extent, we need to really build relationship with the product team so we can do good product marketing, build the positioning that reflects that and so on. So it's like scaling both at the same time to some extent. Yeah, and how did you, um, uh, how did you sort of deal with um, not having product marketing when you were a one-person show? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did it myself to some extent. <laughs> I <laughs> know, uh, but I think the I think the key thing is to be and the, the biggest I think risk I saw is not saying no enough. You know, you just there's there's something that aren't gonna make an impact. Some features that we can be okay not communicating too much about, as opposed to really understanding how we're gonna be positioning, who are the customers we wanna be building, selling, marketing for, all this ground work. So it's about maybe doing less of the shiny stuff that requires a team or minimizing some of that and really focusing on the key thing, which is who is it exactly we're going to be like, you know, building and selling and marketing for now. What is the key thing for them? And like really make sure all the teams are aligned because at some point, if you don't have product marketers, then you don't really have that much time to do everything. You need to really be super focused on a couple of things that will make an impact. Yeah. I always say the, uh, the product marketers um, help remove the, uh, the the gut decisions about what you're building and and who you're yeah. marketing, um, they you know hopefully come in especially in you know a scaling marketing organization, uh, you know really can help sort of set you know the future uh, the future product roadmap um, against the a market that you can um, uh, you can actually generate some uh, some revenue out of. Um, so Tori, when, when you were growing your, uh, growing your team, um, what, what were some of the, like the key roles that you, um, that you looked for at the beginning of, of, of building out your, your marketing organization? Uh, so, you know, I think you, you've already hit one of them, which is product marketing. I mean, the, the three big ones I think you need or demand gen, product marketing, and marketing ops, especially, you, you probably can get away without marketing ops in the beginning, but uh, at some point in scaling, you, you're gonna need someone that can help out with the tech because it consumes so much time. And then and then to the whole discussion that, that we just had with Octave is um, being able to have someone that can be totally focused on the messaging and, and the market and you know who you should, be focusing on and enabling sales becomes really important so that the demand gen team can just focus on demand gen. And, and then from there you start getting, once you get into the 15 person team, all the little extras where you have a, someone just dedicated to social media or, or whatnot, or design team. Um, as early as you can get a design team, it's a nice, but I always feel like that's one of the easier ones to outsource if you have to. Yeah. As, as a B2B marketer, I, I dream of the day 
where I can just dedicate one person just to in Instagram marketing. <laughs> I mean, just imagine having a team that big where you've got a dedicated uh, marketer just for Twitter or a different one yeah, for Instagram. Just for one channel on social. Yeah, just for one channel. I mean, and that's what that's what we compete against in the in the marketplace essentially when, when we're, we're you know we're dealing with you know organizational scale um you know going from a one person show to a multiple person show against the big corporations that have um you know hundreds of uh, hundreds of marketers inside uh inside their organization um uh octave how about you what what were some of the key roles that uh, that you look for I think it's something product marketing and demand generation, or we, we call it growth marketing because it combines demand gen, it combines marketing, any kind of growth. Uh, we, I think one thing that I also hired quite early on is a creative team. So as opposed to you, I, I felt pretty strongly that this should be internalized. And we also made sure that we hired a front-end developer as part of our team to be able to deliver and execute very quickly on any, any website change, any any landing pages, any tooling, any events and so on we needed uh, because it's it's really hard, but I do think that like we need to be very creative when we are doing a B2B potentially dry product, otherwise they all look like the same feature at some point. So it's like, how can we leave a mark? It's quite difficult, uh, but I do think that from the get-go, not having that means that we end up with more of a you know sales-driven, like we're just gonna be better at selling and marketing as opposed to being a memorable brand like mentioning or, or what I can. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think um, uh, uh, you know, scaling uh, scaling marketing organizations, there, there are a lot of key, depends on you know your, your company and um, your product and, and what your needs are. Um, but Tori, you, you, you brought up something not too many people bring up um, and, and sh more people should, which is marketing ops. Um, and I, I, can, I can tell you the, the simplicity of taking that uh, that that Mailchimp form, which should be you know easy to drop the code into a page on a on a website, and then hook it up to Salesforce, and and you start to integrate all of your systems together. Um, those things are always more way more difficult to to pull off than um, than we'd like to believe. So, I think. Um, as soon as you can get a marketing ops person in and they, they sort of relieve some of the stress of those, of those systems um, and how to um, have those things integrated, I think it can make a huge, uh, a huge difference um, inside um, the growth of your marketing team. Um, so how did you, um, uh, you know, when you were sort of starting to grow your team, how did you find the right sort of marketing mix? Um, Tori, this one's for you, um, you know, with regards to um, campaigns and promoting and, and getting your brand out, what, what was sort of the right marketing mix for you um, so you could really get your brand into the marketplace correctly? Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, as I said at the beginning, Terminus is we sell an account-based marketing platform. Uh, so we, we, you know, are account-based marketing through and through. Sometimes probably too much. Um, and you can never do too much ABM. Yeah. And um, so, you know, it's, it's a little bit different here because we, there are no MQLs. There were no lead goals. There's opportunity goals. And we pick target accounts each time period, uh, which is typically every quarter. 
And it's really about building awareness with them, uh, with those target accounts. So we're, we're looking at, it's, it's all about building awareness, stakeholders, sales believes in, in building awareness. They, that's what they want us to do so that they have better uh, at-bats. But um, it also makes it easy. So that, that made it easy just at the company culture to like have this kind of awareness thing. And it's different because it's not putting ads in airports or, or even doing massive retargeting campaigns. It's really, we have 2,000 accounts that we want to focus our ad spend on. And then that makes it pretty easy to measure because you can see how many, how much engagement did you get from those accounts? Uh, and from that, you can very easily start seeing like which thing works best. Does, is it Twitter, you know, ads? Is it LinkedIn? Is it uh, account-based display ads? Is it uh, direct mail and, or what have you? Um, it just makes it easier to measure which things. So we were able to experiment with us, it's really combining all these different things to come up with the right combination over a six month period to get an opportunity from someone. Um, so that's, that's how we approached it is really pick the target accounts, experiment with different combinations of marketing campaigns and see which ones create more opportunities with those target accounts. Yeah. Isn't it really just at the end of the day, all about experimenting until you find the right the right mix for where you're at at that point. Yeah, I imagine that word will come up a lot. Yeah, and that's how the good folks over at Coca-Cola came up with their uh, original syrup mix, I'm sure, um, mm -hmm. right right down the street from where you're at. Uh, Octavia, how about you? What's, you know, how, do, how have you, you know, handled sort of, the, you know, finding the right marketing mix? I mean, I, I can tell you that, um, uh, Occasionally, people on my team will come to me and they'll say, you know, look at how great we're doing on LinkedIn or look at how great we're, we're yeah. doing on Twitter. And, and then my response to that is, is you know, one, I'm not going to say publicly um, just because, you know, it's, it's a great thing. But is it really what's driving us forward? So, you know, how have you sort of worked on on those components? Yeah, I think the. The hardest thing I find is like multi-touch attribution and like figuring out like how the whole journey works because we have a potentially multi-month process from the first time people have a problem or hear about us to the actual, like they actually go live with us. Um, the way we've tried to solve it is one, trying to run specific campaigns. So that's why we're moving more and more into a campaign-based marketing as a way to actually get a much faster feedback loop of like what works, which kind of channel touch points messages resonate with people and then scale that to uh, dimension. The other one is basically, as I think Tori mentioned, is like we, we don't have marketing ops, we have commercial ops that handle all the operations for all the commercial teams independently. It's working with them to actually make sure that there was a good tracking and that we understood on a person-based level, not a web, session level, what were the different touch points that people had gone with? We used to really look at like the last, the last conversion source, and then you end up just wanting to do AdWords or SEO, for example. So we've been spending a lot of time trying to understand each of the leads we had, what have they done before? Did we, you know, should we do more content that's not gated compared to gated content? Because it's actually, you know, touches these leads, uh, but it's, extremely hard because you're, you're dealing with lots of messy data. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's hard. Um, the, uh, 
you know, in, in consumer marketing, I always say it's just it's so much easier. Uh, you know, those of us that are in B2B marketing, you know, we, we live in a sort of a different world than the consumer marketing guys or ladies that can, you know, just simply run Google AdWords, buy some billboards and, and run some radio ads along the way. Um, you know, this is, th these things um, tend to be, you know, sort of far more complicated um, in the B2B space, especially from a startup. And, and Ryan loves this word journey. So, and, and I think maybe he likes the band journey as well. Um, so, it, you know, it's like, um, it, there, there's this journey that you go on within a marketing organization uh, when you're launching it um, that takes you every, everywhere from, you know, a one person show uh, to having to um, uh, personally start to scale back what you do for the, uh, for the organization and allow others to sort of come in and, and handle those things. Um, how, um, Tori, how have you dealt with some of like the, um, you know, complicated sort of like internal and external challenges of, of really getting your marketing organization to a place where it's really humming? Um, you know, you've really got your sort of systems in place, um, both internally and externally. You know, how long did that take, and, and what did uh, what did what did it take? What did it take to make that happen? Uh, we we're probably still working on getting a terrible, <laughs> but uh, it it took about nine months, I think, to get to a point where I really felt everything was going along strongly, and that. Um, that the, you know, internal organization or external to marketing, uh, but all the stakeholders out there really felt good about, about what was happening and, and were bought in. And uh, I think it's, I think it's about putting, you know, a lot of the boring foundational pieces, just coming, what are, what are the campaigns that you're going to run? Are you going to do webinars? How often are you sending email communications? Do you have nurtures? Um, are you going to utilize direct mail and all these different pieces? And then you have to get through experimenting with those combinations uh, and probably doing little, little pieces that just show the wins to sales um, and, and standing up your marketing automation and all that, that kind of stuff. You know, that takes about two quarters to really, it's one quarter of, of figuring out what's going on and just kind of getting everything more programmatic another quarter of putting some of the technology pieces in place and then once you have all that you can you can really put a program and and by the end of that third quarter I think that's when stakeholders start seeing what's going on and, and you can start showing the benefits that you're having to the organization. Uh, I I'm totally uh, agree. Octavia how about yourself? I really like what one thing Tori said about showing value to sales incrementally like delivering value and I think it's quite important because they, yeah, they do tend to see what works on deals specifically. And if it doesn't, then it's probably not good. So there's a lot of that. Uh, the, I think the, the issue we see is that typically as soon as something is working, we need to do something new. So there's never a perfect time when everything has been humming. Every probably four to six months, we've been restructuring everything, rebuilding, change. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but it's, that's also why it's fun. <laughs> um, I think the, the key thing we do to make sure it's working is just really being close to like the deals and the 
you know, what sales goes through is making sure when we talk about the positioning, did it actually resonate, listening to sales goals, looking at the velocity of his deals. When we do content, when we do ads, it's like, is that sending the right ones? And as we evolve, as everyone, you know, like we look at different types of leads, we look at different types of sizes of leads. We then keep updating these programs and don't be afraid of removing what used to work three months ago, but no longer makes any sense. Or what's just a distraction. It used to be something that made 50% of our leads, but now it's just a lot of work, but just makes 5% of them. Maybe we can find a way of having only 4%, but very low maintenance. So it's kind of re removing things as we go. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. We, we actually are in one of the few professions uh, where um, the failure is important to success. Um, you know, and we... We we have to we 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 go out and we um and Ryan that might be the name of my book, um uh, failure is important to success, um it, you know it 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 really leads to you know what is the um not just the journey that your your company is on but what is the uh, the the journey that your internal team goes on to to kind of get you there. Ryan, what kind of what kind of thoughts do you have on on that? Well, my my thoughts are that in all of what I've drawn here, um, there are a few words that I would have expected to come up, and I'm curious to see um, how those words tie into the journey and the marketing component. I see a lot of marketing moving towards internal influencers and trying to empower your employees to be brand ambassadors, and and. I'm curious how you two gentlemen see the future of marketing when it comes to getting your employees empowered to showcase the brand and be the uh, the micro or mini or nano influencers, you know, having MailChimp uh, and talking to people about it when they're not at work, about how excited they are about what they're doing. So my question to you is how do you support currently your employees outside of the sales department um, for those people to naturally sell by just bringing up conversation about what they do and, and the fact that they're excited about it. How do you see your non-sales employees as a larger scope of the branding and marketing team? Here we have, so, you know, I mentioned we brought on a, someone to focus on social media mm -hmm. and a lot of their job is less about making our our own social media work as in helping the people that already have a little bit of a platform, you know, be able to use it better. So some of, some of the executives have people that are keeping an eye on them in the space and, and some of them are very good at social media. Most of them are not. And, and this bigger than social media is obviously presenting and, and getting out there just in general, being more involved with our marketing, blogging, uh, I do think you need to have a plan for that because usually what I see at companies where they try to have a contest for all the internal employees to do a blog contest or to do the most social whatever, um, it doesn't work very well in the first place and it stops working like two days after the contest is over. Uh, so you, you really have to have someone that's doing the hard work for those people. Um, the The other thing that we're trying to do is kind of the typical like certification type things on the product that you would put sales through. Um, the whole company is going to have to go through so that everyone just 
understands what's the core elements of the messaging. And if somebody asks you what you do, um, that you can, you can give that elevator pitch just as well as, you know, anyone on sales or product marketing. Um, so th those are, those are the two big things. I do think I'm maybe, uh, you know, I think that people can get over rotated on, on the whole enabling their organization. I think you have key personalities that can do very well for you for that. But I think trying to get everyone in the company or even, you know, outside of this core group often is more work than the value you get back. But um, at least from a social standpoint, I do think it's really good to have everyone understand the messaging as, as however you can enable that. Yeah, that magic question of what do you do if you work at that company, I'm still baffled by how many people cannot explain not only what they do, their function in the, in the job, but then the larger organization, like they, there's such a disconnect I see. So um, I, I like that, that idea of having your employees go through the same training. So they actually know the products instead of just focusing on their little myoptic, uh, what's in front of their desk. How about right. you, Octave? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's the same way, especially as a, as a, you know, early stage scale up, I would say we're still very mission driven. So it's like, how do we get everyone? Everyone likes our CEO's mission from the funding vision, the why we exist, all of that. And I think it's our role in marketing, not to create it, but to translate it into a way where everyone actually understands it. We have, we have things from, you know, an FAQ of like all the questions about our company that you can answer to your, to your grandmother. Like who are our customers? Are we are we expanding into the US? How do you make money? Who are your competitors? Like just breaking it down so that it's easy to answer for anyone asking you. So people can actually feel not only pride in why they exist, like what's their mission and how they contribute to that, but also be able to explain it to people. So you know, if they can tell their friends, I work at this really cool company, this is why we exist, these are all the cool things we do. And they don't feel like, because they can't explain it, they're not gonna really dive into it because it's a bit embarrassing to not be able to explain that. And yeah, we okay. We train people I, to I, recruitment events and so on. So, yeah. yeah, interesting. All right, Dave, that was, that was where <laughs> I was thinking is how the employees factor into this marketing journey because they, I, I believe they can be a big part of it, but you know, to, to Tori's, um, you know, realistic viewpoint, you have to judge the amount of effort that goes into it versus the amount out. But I think that it's a trend that marketers need to look at is how they can educate and leverage their employees outside the marketing and sales department. Yeah, I, I think um, it, it's an area that uh, a lot of um, a lot of companies just don't have time to think about, especially startups. Um, and, um, you know, when you go from, you know, a 10 person company to a 50 person company to, you know, 100, 200, 300, you know, all the way up to 500 employees, it, it's critical that all of the employees uh, understand what you do. And, and, and to be honest, everybody's selling at a startup. Um, and that's sort of the attitude that I, I try to take. Um, with our team, uh, both at, at Agora, uh, on our internal marketing team, as well as with the um, sales organization, our, our um, customer support team, we, we take that approach with everybody. We want, we want everybody to be able to sell the product or at least talk about the product in a passionate way. And what, what we found, at, at least for Agora, this is different at every company, 
um, we found that the ability to use use cases um, and and then pivot based on you know specific conversations you're having really works uh, works the best for us. Um, and we've accomplished this through some like really old school things like lunch and learns. Like, um, you know, I, I remember when I was starting in business, we used to have these lunches where our management team would, um, would explain to us, um, you know, all of, the, um, uh, all of the things about the products that we were selling and how, and how they work. Brown bag lunches, call it what you want. Um, but, you know, sort of getting your team together outside of your marketing organization in, in sort of an easygoing, free-flowing conversation um, is, is also really a, a good idea. Um, Tori, I'm sort of curious, uh, and Ryan knows this about me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a project management junkie. Um, I think the, the only way um, we especially are able to sort of manage uh, all of the uh, rapid uh, rapid fire things our team has to do is through good project management. I'm um, kind of curious what your thoughts are on project management, uh, maybe shed some light for, uh, for the audience into um, the type of uh, uh, systems that you use for that. Sure. Uh, so here we use a tool called Task World that looks very similar to Trello, uh, but it just has a few uh, bigger uh, capabilities that bring it a little bit more to a sophisticated um, project management tool, but not full-fledged. And we did that because there was a handful of people that used Trello uh, that really loved it, and it was hard getting them to move, so we found a tool. Uh, but if I, if I could do it over again, I would have tried to move everyone to an agile project management tool. So I worked at a company named version one for anyone that knows about agile project management. Um, they're one of the big tools in it, but, uh, it, during that time there, I got to understand doing, having marketing teams run agile, just like a development team does. And I think it works really well in kind of, um, you know, we, when we were a little smaller, this Trello-like tool worked for us. But now that we're getting bigger and we're not communicating every day, you know, everyone across the whole team, and we have people in San Francisco and people in Boston, um, having a, a more sophisticated project management, not just tool, but actual, you know, system that we follow would, would be uh, highly valuable. So yeah. I'm always a proponent of of trying an Agile-like system or, or using some kind of system. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I wrote an article about Agile marketing. God, it's, it's almost been 10 years now, um, I think. Um, and um, at the time, I was using, um, using Jira uh, the same way our development team was, was using it. And um, I remember sitting down with them telling them what I was going to use it for, and they, they were shocked. Um, but the, the, you know, the whole agile process, uh, uh, is, is an important one. It's one I've carried over regardless of the project management system, um, we've ended up using. Okay. Octavia, we're real quick because we're, yeah. we're going to have to go to Ryan's uh, beautiful drawings here in a, in a quick sec. So uh, give us your, um, uh, your quick feedback on, um, project management systems. Yeah. We're just switching. Basically we used to use something called monday.com for project management, we figured out that everyone was using it. It was 
too much overhead paper work following up on things. So now we're moving to much more agile setup. So I don't know yet how that's gonna work, but we are we're moving like two weeks sprints, uh, whiteboard, everyone much more simple tasks, much more accountability and visibility, much less big project management, spreadsheets, Gantt charts and so on to bring it back to something a bit closer. We're all in one office, so it's possible, but I want it to be a lot less complex and project management heavy than we used to. Yeah, uh, so it's funny. We we currently use Monday, uh, monday.com. We've, we've been really happy with it. Um, uh, but, um, but the biggest issue I have is uh, just getting other uh, heads from other departments to log in and see. Oh, yeah, that, that was that was very difficult for us as well to contribute to add a ticket or see what's going on yeah very hard. yeah it's, it's really difficult all right well i'm gonna pass the journey baton over uh over and and there's a uh, ryan ryan's got good hands he never drops the uh the baton so i'll pass it i'll pass it over to ryan and <clears throat> all right so <clears throat> the fun conversation the big reveal here uh this is what we're this is what we're looking at we ended up with the balloons. That's definitely where we were at. And then uh, the things that you were talking about that caught my ear, uh, and with a little bit of with a little bit of grass and some other key components down below. But I would say that um, overall, it's interesting how we sometimes start and end in the same place. And our first question, I think, really connects it together, which is some of the key components about you know leading a, a team that is an effective marketing team, and that's about creating connection. It's about a focus on content. It's about consistency and it's about emotion. And what you guys talked about, you know, in all the little nitty gritty is how you accomplish those things, how you communicate to create that consistency. How do you test things to make sure that you're, you know, investing in the right efforts um, to make sure that your team is empowered with the right tools. Uh, one of the things uh, Rockefeller habit number eight is employees can articulate the key components of the company's structure accurately. And we even discussed within that. So I think that marketing can be very complex and the answers can be, it depends, but the solid answers, which you have as a foundation, the things in which you are carrying the flag or the balloons that are dragging behind you are pretty core. And the idea of being agile, being nimble, looking to see what works. And then as soon as you get something that works, understanding that you've got to do something new to keep relevant and to stay current, even if it means turning your monkey into something more boring. At the end of the day, it's a customization of how your department can best serve your, wait for it, stakeholders. And I think we forget about that. And so that's the overarching message that I see is how does this all lead back whatever flag that you're carrying, whatever balloon that's dragging behind, how does that directly tie to stakeholder value? And how can you get the entire organization to buy into it? And I think the answer is simplicity, alignment, consistency, connectivity, content, and emotion. So for me, that's what I sort of transcribed from what you guys said. And it makes sense. And sometimes we look for solutions that are more complex when oftentimes they're hiding in plain sight. So the advice here is right in front of you. It's the stuff that you think about, but you might be looking for other options. And it's a great example of how two seasoned individuals, three seasoned individuals, four seasoned individuals can put their heads together and end up back in the same spot where they started, which is the fact that marketing is this organism that is complex, but there are simple components that keep it all together. 
So if you enjoyed this discussion, uh, if you like this stick figure drawing, if you like the insights and if you like these people, we have plenty more of this happening all the time, every Monday and then throughout the week on the Scale Up Valley podcast. So gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Uh, continue carrying that marketing flag high and I'm excited to see the scaling, the, the problems because as a, a very wise gentleman said one time, failure is, wait, Failure is important to success. So everybody, fail your way through marketing to see what works. Uh, and on behalf of the entire scale of team, we appreciate your time. And if you are out there and enjoy this, share it, tweet it, like it, uh, comment on it, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. So there we go. That is the end of the show. So <laughs> gentlemen, it's been a pleasure.